back to another exciting episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. The show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by a small fish in a big pond. Well, you know, my name's Alex Dandino. <laughs> we'll get to the foghorn leghornness of this <laughs> soon enough. Uh, before today's uh, stellar, stunning masterclass of an episode... A little business, people. It's official. We're on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash pod. We've seen some new of you joining us. Thank you. That means the world to us. We have an exclusive content library over there that's filling up constantly. You can actually have a say in what goes in that library. As you uh, support more and more, you can even have us do a double feature. You get your commentaries. We got our Tales from the Crypt miniseries right now. So much fun stuff. We work really hard to make that worth your while over there. Also, when you're a patron... Let us know what we can do to improve. We're always working on ourselves. Maybe not our physiques, but our, our podcasting for sure. That area is not, we're not skimping on that. <laughs> so again, that's patreon.com slash pod. Thank you from the bottom of our little hearts uh, for the support you can show. That means the world to us. If you can't support the show financially, we get it, man. Something you can do that's free and easy, right? Leave five-star rating and reviews wherever you find the show. Leave a little blurb about how much you like us. That helps us defeat the algorithms that try to fuck up our amazing stories, right? The Jim, whatever his name is, the uh, the golden god of story ruining, whatever this fucking guy. <laughs> uh, also, if you could just send an episode to a friend, send the show to a friend that you know likes movies. We'll take it from there. We'll win them over. We yeah. can do that, I think. We'll try our best, as you wish. Uh, so, yeah, just send an episode to a friend. The YouTube is Film Alchemist. You can see our faces. Uh, we're also working on some new stuff for film uh, YouTube, so go to Film Alchemist over there. Subscribe. The email, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials you're on. We're easy to get a hold of. Reach on out. All right. Other exciting news. We've already started pr programming the October Mega Marathon, so it's only we're just little sluts for punishment. That's it's what only we February. <laughs> it's pretty good for us. This is the time of year we're stoked about the idea of the October Mega Marathon before we get crushed under the realities of how much work that is. I think but, I, I always enjoy that in July, we always have that research. It's like, oh, dude, this is going to be easy. Like, we've totally figured out how to do this. We're going to crush this out. And then, by September, so we wanna, and then by September, <laughs> we're like, why do we do this every year? This is the worst yeah, why thing. why do we? You know why? Because the love of cinema. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about one of the great epic love tales ever told. So this month, the pod tells a love story, right? This one and Princess Bride probably most perfect, and the notebook, they all perfectly describe the theme, right? Yes. Big Fish, the Tim Burton movie. This is a story about a man who is dying and a son is trying to reconcile the things he doesn't love about his dad and his dad's propens uh, propensity for only talking about himself like a narcissistic fuck and lying constantly. <laughs> And his son trying to grapple with that. Now, this is a movie I loved when I saw. I was a huge Tim Burton fan when I was a younger man. Uh, before he got into, like, franchises. I think Tim Burton's best on his own, right? To craft his own little world. Um, I will say, this is one of those movies. There's a lot of them, right? Once you become a parent, when the movie completely changes and betrays you and becomes uh, an exercise in how much body weight you can lose from crying. So that is the effect it had on me today. I actually still think the whimsy and the fantasy... And the, the emotional core of the uh, the the film worked perfectly well. I, I found this to be a delightful viewing experience. So, Alex, opening thoughts on Big Fish. I mean, this is truly a... This, this is going to sound very mean. This is truly, like, the last time I actually gave a shit about what Tim Burton put into the universe. Um, this is Well, because what happened is, you can tell this is his I'm going to win an Oscar yeah, movie. like, I, I was actually... This was something I wanted to say, like... <laughs> particularly is there's all like great like directors who like tim burton like great genre directors like tim burton all have this they all have this thing they gear up and amp up and they ramp up to this movie that's gonna be their magnum opus and to me big fish it's is going always, to set them aside from right. the boxes they've been put in it's and to me, Big Fish is always Tim Burton's movie. And when Tim Burton did not win Best Director, Best Picture, anything for it, that was when he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to make a fuck ton of money for the rest of my life, and that's how I'll get back at everybody for Pearls squandering before my swine. genius. How dare you? <laughs> um, but that's exactly yeah, what this absolutely. is. Like, and again, every director, 
every genre director who starts out in like kind of more niche stuff does this. And it's fine. Like it's not a bad thing. But yeah. like, I well, feel the, like the thing I would say about this though, to your point, I think this still has the Tim Burtonness in it. He didn't oh, forsake absolutely. what he was good at no, no, no. to make an award. There's movie. nothing about this that doesn't tell me it's a Tim Burton movie. Right. It's all still very Tim Burtony. It has all the same vibes. It has this sort of like gothic folklore thing going on, and that's that's great. That's what you want. Mm -hmm. He's just flexing his muscle muscles in a way. Like to me, this is like the analog to like when he when you watch someone who directed Beetlejuice and also directed Ed Wood. You're like, oh wow, this is a guy who literally can oh, he can kind of do it all, and this is a culmination of that. Big Fish makes me cry every time. I never, oh my God. I never don't sob. The hardest I start crying, and this is weird, and I'm not sure why, but when time stands still, when he sees Allison Lohman, I, all right, never I'm not the lost same it. way. The sentiments of that moment, right? Because he's talking to uh, Marion Cotillard, who this was before I even she was on my radar, right? Mm -hmm. He's talking to her, and he's like, "What? What? Everyone knows the saying that when you you see true love, time stops." And it cut. I mean, it's such a it's a great sentiment, right? Because yeah. what this movie does is it it captures this romantic feeling that people have about making their way through the world, right? This yeah. is a man who, at his core, really does appreciate other people, mm -hmm. his hometown, where he's from, uh, the man he's become, and so the way he romanticizes everything, right, becomes weaponized against him by his shitty son. Neither here yeah. nor there. Little bit. But watching it in those moments of sweetness, right? So you've got like this moment, you've got the moment where she turns him down to marry him, right? But then that scene when she opens the window and there's just daffodils Jesus everywhere. Christ, man. That's like I fuck. Like, that's one of those it. great directing powers that I always like am fascinated by Tim Burton with. But it's that like that level of that level of whimsy is unbelievable. Yeah. Like that's the kind well, of it thing also that reminded Tim me it's like yeah, I got to get on the old Valentine's Day on right now. <laughs> like, I got to do a lot better. Yeah. But I just, I, I think those aspirational moments, right, of Edward Bloom, right? He is this real, he's almost chipper to the point where you're like, you know what? Fuck this guy. Honestly, like, if these trees kill him, fuck this guy. I'm kind of sick of his shit. Because <laughs> most of us don't have that level of, like, it'll be all rightness, right? <laughs> well, uh, but I think by the end, you're so, the fact that, and th this is one of the clever devices of the movie, right, is, Early, one of the tales he tells his son, right, is the witch's tale. Yeah. If you see into her eye, you will see how you die, right? Right. And so Edward Bloom has this this kind of naivete his whole life because he's like, this isn't what kills me. Yeah. And it gives him this, this extra level of I can do whatever I want, right? I can really fully pursue my dreams um, with the un unencumbered force of a fucking mental weakling, right? Because I can just fucking plow through whatever. Right. But I think it's that it's that fucking perfect thing where it's like it's almost too saccharine. But the fact that you see the dad in his current state, you kind of want him to hold on to those good memories. Yeah. It, so it well, it is an interesting balancing act. The movie I think pulls. to me, this is like the to me, this is the the truth of the movie is that we never really want to know the real story. Like when we're older and our parents tell us the truth about certain things in our lives that we had no fucking idea about, like. Whether you're faced with that truth early on or not, it doesn't matter. There's always these moments that are like, oh, God, that is so much worse than I thought it was. Or there's this hidden truth beneath these things. So when you see Albert Finney in the state he's in, because he always he's putting on a show, like they have that moment where uh, Marion Cotillard's going to take your picture. It's right when he's about to start oh telling the story. Oh, my God. I'm glad you brought this and up. And she yeah. walks out of the room and he like ugh, winces in pain. In agony. He's yeah. clearly in agony. But. This is the story you tell everyone is it's okay. It's going to be I all right. I fucking love it's that It's an amazing shot. moment in a movie that is like filled with whimsy because that's the truth. That's the honest that's, moment right there. Yes, that is the classic show me, don't tell me. Yeah. In that moment, that's all I need to know about this man. Yeah. Right? Is that he Everything is a man who lives his life to put this, this story forward, right? right? And again, I think the doctor says it at the end, right? When he's on his literal deathbed. Mm-hmm. And the doctor's like, did he ever tell you the story about when you're born? And he's like, well, I heard, like, the version about the fit. It's the same thing we heard at his marriage, right? That, like, set off yeah, the yeah. feud. Um, the marriage and the fi the ring and the fish and whatever. Uh, and the doctor's like, well, he was on business in Wichita. He couldn't make it. It killed him that he couldn't make it. Um, 
And he just goes, you know, if I had to choose, right? It's not romantic, is it? And he goes, if I had to choose, I might perhaps choose the the version with the big fish. Yeah. You know what I mean? And his bitch-ass son just goes, I like your version. And it's like, all right, no, you don't. This no, is like you a don't. Really, You're not see, paying an HBO really, subscription to watch that. This is a really fascinating, like, Billy Crudup's character is so fascinating to me in this That's movie. That's his name, like, yeah. You see Let's so talk many... about how big of a piece of shit Billy Crudup is for a minute. I want to hang on before we look. There's no doubt that he's a piece <laughs> of shit throughout most of this movie. Absolutely. But this is the thing. And this is like the really important thing about this character, because like there's so many piece of shit sons in cinema history that just like like the worst offense yeah. of all is the, the kid from the birdcage. Never like unrelenting piece of shit. You're, you are correct. Billy Crudup doesn't reach that level of but, horrible. He's just, he's so petty. But here's but hang on, though. This is the thing. And so what's petty is not talking to your father for three years because he told a story at your wedding. That's bitchy. <laughs> Absolutely. However, everyone's parents do an un, like an awkward wedding. Yeah, every wedding. I remember everybody's parents. <laughs> That's doing, their prerogative. They brought you into the world. Yeah, everybody's parents at the rehearsal dinner do an unauthorized biography of nothing anyone should ever need to hear about. That's just that standard. Yeah, at least his dad didn't bomb with jokes, right? Right. Like I've seen worse. So, but what it is is. <laughs> It's a culmination. Like, that's, I think, what it is, is it's your special day and you make it about you. But that is a misinterpretation and a misunderstanding of what parenting is. Like, we're parents now. And it's hard to watch this movie knowing that because you're just sitting there and you're like, wow. Like, this guy really is, like, deep down trying as hard as humanly possible not to tell his kid, I have to make money. I'm gone all the time. Therefore, like, he replaces. fuck off. Do you like that big old house you got? You like that big old college? It took you to that big old corner office, you motherfucker. So what's interesting (laughs) is instead of of telling the truth, he replaces himself with this version of himself that is this character of whimsy and sparkle that all children like want to imagine. Yeah, he's a Paul Bunyan. Yeah, everybody wants to imagine their parents as superheroes, and Edward Bloom tries his best to give his child that image so that – when he's at school, he doesn't go, why isn't your dad here? Oh, well, he's selling, I can't remember, what, like, what, his vacuum cleaners or some shit? Robot hands. Okay, Robot so that's hands, a good that's point. I want to key in I can't on. believe I just forgot that. Robot hands. God damn I it. don't think Edward is giving that to his son, so his son has that image of him. What I think is that it pains Edward so much that he's missing time with his wife, who is... You know, as, as the lady says at the end, Helena Bonham Carter, right? To your father, it makes sense because there's two women in the world, your mother and everyone else. Right. So this man who found true love, right, who worked hard to get the fucking money for that house, who works hard to keep doing that, but he's in a fucking rough position. I think he tells these stories, right, for him. It's it's so his time away where he was missing those, those moments that you can't get back, right? Like now but my – littlest son is going to start school next year like real school so you're like i don't have like a baby anymore right right like i'm not going to have they're going to start growing further and further away from me right i was lucky enough that you know we had covid and whatever so like i got a lot of time alone with them when they're young right and i'll always be thankful for that edward didn't have that right he probably missed birthday (laughs) not the covid absolutely not the covid uh i treat covid yeah i treat covid how billy crudup treats his dad Hate it. Yeah. Very petty. <laughs> but, but he he is trying to tell these stories as if his time in this world meant something. Right. Right? Trying to explain that his time away was not just this right. empty vacuum in him. Sure. That and there was a meaning to it. I think there's – again, it cuts both ways. Like, for me, it's always – you do this for your child, but you also have to do it for yourself because, yeah, like, it's like, it's like you were saying. Like, it is hard to be away from your kids. So – how do you justify it? It's like, well, to myself, for my own sake, I have to justify it in some way that doesn't sound so bad as just like, I'm working. Why? Do, what do you want from me? Like, instead, yeah. you want to tell a story and you want to make yeah. you want to make yourself feel at least somewhat like, okay, I haven't just right. wasted my time earning money. And that's not a bad thing. It, Providing for yes. your family is an important thing. but Right. But I think most... Like, 90% of parents, right? There are probably that group that are like, I didn't really want this, but whatever. Right. Any parent you ask, any day you see them working at their job, 
would rather be at home playing with their fucking kids. Absolutely. No 1, doubt about it. Every fucking day of the week. But you got to fucking pay you bills. Pay bills. And it's, it's a, you know, a hard truth of this world. If I had nothing to do in my life except for to dote on my friends and child and wife, oh, to be so lucky, right? <laughs> like, that's just not the world, sadly. And so there is this element that the movie doesn't cover a lot, right? We get Billy Crudup at his wedding yelling at his dad, right, where he says, you know, you weren't the center of the universe for one day and it fucking killed you. Yeah. And, you know, the dad's, I'm sorry I embarrassed you. He goes, you're embarrassing yourself and you don't see it. I think that line is crucial to how you watch the rest of the movie because there's yeah. all this unspoken. Dad wasn't there, so he wrote in. I think he says it at one point, right? Did you make these stories up because your life was so boring and not what you wanted that you were always leaving so you could go to these fantasy worlds, which is where you really wanted to exist? Right. And I think that is such a brutal thing to hear because as a younger guy, I feel like I would relate to Billy Crudup, right? I was never close with my father figures or whatever. Right. And then now as a dad, I'm like, you fucking prick. Like well, you absolute prick. Well, I think what's interesting about he clearly loved both of them very much. Right. I think. Well, and this is something that I think this is something you can see through all of Tim Burton's oeuvre anyways, which is that the macabre in the mundane is something that he does better than literally anybody. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that's why Big Fish is so thrilling and so beautiful is because at every turn, when you focus on the mundane, like the city of Spectre is probably the best example. Like that is truly one of the most, one of the most interesting moments in the movie for me, because first off, Loudon Wainwright is the greatest actor ever to portray a guy in a hometown. Like he's just that guy that you ask like, Hey, can you smile? Oh yeah. Yeah. No problem. Done. Like that's like the entire bit. Um, <laughs> Can you do a folksy, maybe we'll you a, sacrifice you later on a blood altar kind can you do of like a folksy gotcha. thing? Can you do like a folksy gotcha. thing with a hidden, <laughs> with a hint of, uh, with a hint of Wicker Man? Yeah, no problem. Right. But like, <laughs> that's like the whole vibe. So when you're inspector and you see, uh, you know, and then Steve Buscemi plays that, the poet laureate, you realize like this town is exactly what Bloom's life is really. Like Spectre is named aptly, of course, like it's. You know, it's all pretty on the nose. Like, there's nothing about them. Yeah, it's kind of got, like, a heavenly metaphor going. Well, yeah, and there's, like, you know, there's the came on the lens look that everybody's got. Like, again, it's... it's oh, yeah. It's shot really well. that low. happens in a small town that has orgies constantly. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, there's only one little kid. Like, come on. Everyone's been clipped, but they're just banging out nonstop. Oh, I'm strafing again. <laughs> <laughs> oh! But... That's I don't like, usually do this from a handstand position. But like that's the that's that mundanity in the story is you're like, oh, if I stay here, yes, my life will be pleasant. Like it'll always be sunshine. It'll be somewhat perfect, but like I'll never know what else is out there. And I think that's but that's not not even that. Right. Spectre being in the middle of huge dark woods. Right. Right. Edward Bloom's house and his wife and his life and his son are Spectre to him. See, right? When I don't, he goes out, he's in these mythic adventures. But see, I'm not sure. Here's the thing. And you you said it already. When we were young, when you're mm -hmm. younger, you think about it this way. It's in the middle of the deep, dark woods. To me, the middle of the deep, dark woods is the core. And when he said, when they're like, oh, you're early. You're not supposed to be here yet. Because everyone wants to interpret this as like death. Because it's called Spectre. Heaven. Nobody wears shoes. Yeah. Heaven, that kind of it's, thing. It's heaven, yeah. That, I think, is a very obvious calculation for what it is. For me, mm -hmm. what Spectre is, because it's at the center of a deep, dark woods, what it is is not heaven, but it is the goal of – it's the goal of the majority of us, which is what we're trying yes. to do, which is just live a decent life, stay home, do those kinds of things. Right. When they well, say it, it, you're here early, what they're trying to say is you have more life to live still. You have to go back out into the woods, essentially. You yeah. don't have to if you don't want to. You still have to pay bills. You're you not have retired. To, yeah, you're not retired. <laughs> like, you, can't, you can't be in suburbia if you've never experienced the rest of the world. So just to say, just to go to Ashton, from Ashton to Spectre, that's why the Poet Laureate can't write anything interesting because he hasn't done anything interesting. Yeah. He's lived in yeah, Spectre. Yeah, he's stuck in this, this mundanity, right? Right. But – and even the woods, right? Like, he's just like, I don't die like this. And the trees let him go. Right. It's like, that to me just reeks of adult life. 
right? There's all these fucking entanglements and sure. shit grabbing. You're like, I should have stayed at fucking Spectre. I should have stayed at home. Right. But then you're like, oh, I, this won't kill me. I just have to suffer adult life and do a job and fucking pay bills. That's what that kind of – because the moment he says this won't kill me, he steps out back on the road with right. his friend. Well, like – Right? It, still got a mission. Still got a job to do. Well, I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, knowing knowing your end. Knowing – like, Edward Bloom, knowing how it'll all end, gives him this – almost gives him that lightness that we see throughout the entire movie. And by the way, we need, Albert, we need to put a pin in that because that's a big debate I'm going to have at the end. Albert Finney – is is great. Albert Finney's amazing. Ewan McGregor is fucking unbelievable. I, I, Ewan McGregor is good. Albert Finney is the MVP of the movie to me. He I is don't so fucking captivating and engaging. Not to shit on Ewan McGregor. I was just like, Ewan but McGregor, I think he gets all the love all the time. I like I like, like, like Albert Ewan Finney. McGregor is great. Albert, I think Albert Finney like Albert Finney always needs love. Like I have no I have no problem giving Albert Finney the respect he deserves. Uh, I do, but like they intertwine so well, it's not even a matter like, cause like they obviously are not the same person. Yeah. They look completely different. It has absolutely no, like the only person you'd be like, I think that's the, the same road person is hard is, as shit. Apparently <laughs> the only person, the, road the only brutal. two people you'd be like, I think that's the same person as Alison Loman and Jessica Lange. Like those are the only yeah. two people in the movie. Be like, I'm pretty sure that's the same person, but maybe he, Helena Bonham Carter and that ghastly little child. <laughs> Just those sunken eyes. It's got not to shit on a child's appearance. That was crude of me, but wow. <laughs> I think she was made to look ghoulish. Is it, you mean the little? Girl, I think the that's little Tim girl, Burton's. Are you talking yes. about the little girl inspector? The the shoe throwing girl. I think that's Tim Burton's fetish is to take small young women and make them look ghoulish. It's fair. Like if that guy had a, a masturbatorium, that's all you would see in there is gaunt. Okay. sunken eyes don't, don't, ghastly little girls very crossed into something else here. <laughs> i bet if you went to tim burton's home there's two options right it looks like a folksy ikea setup right and you're like oh my god you went modern farm this is mind-blowing or yeah masturbatorium with like gaunt disheveled sunken eyes but like pristine dress but you can tell life fucked him up everywhere else well you know he did that movie big eyes probably hand painted well, in like renaissance well, okay so he did that movie big eyes about the husband who stole his wife's paintings and passed them off his own i bet it's just a best masturbatorium is just those paintings that's it that's why he did <laughs> look at me look at look me look at me you gotta close your eyes avert your eyes shame shame <laughs> <laughs> maybe not that you guys were expecting. We're talking about romance stories, not Tim Burton, J and O, but uh, anywho, now that's in my mind. Yeah. But to the point, here's a question I'll ask you. Sure. Later in the film, he finds a deed for the young girl. He thinks that his dad was having an affair. He thinks he had this other life, all this shit, right? right? right. Why did Edward save that town and not tell anyone about it, not want profits from it? Like, he just pooled together all of these people that he had helped make money. And through his storytelling ability, he literally saved a town, right? The real world had found Spectre, and it was fucking destitute. Right. He saved this town and brought it back to that ideal location. My estimation is that that's something he couldn't do at his own home as his son was getting older. So it is this kind of snow globe effect of him keeping something the way it should have been. What do you make of that bit? You're asking why he didn't seek the praise? That... Why Why did he save the town? And then he just left when the job was done. That's obviously a lot of time he's also not spending at home with his family. Why I... did he save the town? If you go back, you think about the first time he enters Spectre. And everyone is living their best life. Everyone's shoes are off. Why would you ever need to go anywhere else? I think because those people have all like the real world, like you said, the real world's intruded on those on that town essentially. Mm -hmm. I think because Edward has seen how the real world is, maybe there is this, maybe there is this element of Edward that is like, if there's one place in the world, that should not be touched by what happened to the real what what the real world is. Maybe it's this one place. Like if I can do this one thing, like 
maybe that's what they were trying to say when he says you're early. That's what it is. It's not, that's why to me, Spectre isn't like heaven or death or anything like that. It's you're early because you're not supposed to know, like you're not supposed to know about this part of the world yet. I and think it's just when like, you get there, I, I think it's the generic homestead, right? It's like a little house on the prairie thing. It is. But that's what I'm getting at though, is like when you get there, when you finally get like, look, you and I we're both married, both have kids, that kind of thing. When you finally get to that place where you're in that you're sitting in your house, that kind of thing, you always build it up in your mind a little bit as something that's it's, it's a little different, you know. Like you always mm-hmm. think about like, oh, married kids, like there is this sort of like '70s came on the lens shine to it, and then you're there and you're like, Jesus Christ, why did no one warn me that this is exactly like this is this it's this rundown town that I somehow have to you know, keep running. So, I mean, to me, it's a big metaphor for, it's a big metaphor for your life in general. Spectre is this version of your life that you want. And then yeah. when you get to Spectre and you see what the version of your life is that you got, mm-hmm. it's your job. It's your job to essentially, it's your job to essentially save the town from bankruptcy. You become the hero of your own story, literally. It is telling that he's obsessed with the white picket fence, right? It's this American yeah, ideal. It's America. Let me ask you another question. This has been rattling around my brain. Do you think he actually fucked that lady? Um, no. I don't. Well, you know what? Alex? Yeah, sorry. No, I'm, li- I'm thinking. Yeah. No, I don't. Because she she says at the start, right? It's not for me to change the image you have of your father, this and that. Then proceeds to tell him this. Your dad is a great man's story. She goes in for the kiss and he's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't. And just fucking leaves. He's coming to her house to put up just like a hat rack. He fucked her. (laughs) I, I think he probably fucked her. I mean... I think this is this is something that's like this is it something, takes away from the whimsy of the movie. It's not that like to me, like the whimsy. Of the, here's the thing. <laughs> if you think the whimsy of the movie, if you if, if the wind gets taken out of your sails by the reality of this movie, then I mean, you probably can't watch it in the first place because like the movie starts in a very real place, which is like your dad's dying. You're coming home and like you want to get to the bottom of what all these fucking stories actually mean. That's neither here nor there. To me, even if he fucked her, which probably is pretty likely. Probably fucked her. There's ninety percent the, sure that happened. Right. And this is another this is a thing that's interesting about like the avenue. Cause just yeah, Jessica Lang's like, I don't want to ruin or uh, not Jessica Lang, but uh, you know, I don't want to ruin the image you have of your father. Billy Crudup's image of his father isn't that good. Like <laughs> But she doesn't know that. Well, yeah, she probably I know. assumes that everyone loves Edward the way that they love Edward. Right, exactly. So that's what I'm saying, though, is like the image in Billy Crudup's mind is that, oh, yeah, he definitely fucked this woman. So for him to. But he tells her that up front. So she knows that before the tale. For him to carry that knowledge, though, knowing. And then to let her tell the story. Like, here's the thing. Like, Will is such a masochist throughout the movie of like wanting to know the truth. Because like the truth. Look. You and I both know truths. They're terrible. Like telling, like having to Almost tell the truth. exclusively, tr- yeah. To, having to tell the truth is the worst thing in the world. I've never met anybody <laughs> who enjoys telling the truth, okay? It's literally like, it's terrible. Fair enough. And, you know, as you get older, you realize that. <laughs> what you don't well, do is. This is the thing, right? You probably don't get that ending unless she tells him that lie. Absolutely. And again, the whole movie is choosing what version of people you want them exactly. to be. Exactly. That's what I'm saying is like, you don't, yeah. like, the truth is, it doesn't matter. He totally had sex with her, but the truth is, is it doesn't matter because he, did he, it. Still, he still loved, he still loved Jessica Lang. I mean, but, he just got some road tang that happens. It's not. <laughs> but here's the other, this is the other thing about that, though. And this is like a really interesting, this is like another Tim Burtonism, is that establishment of Americana, like that early 50s because tim burton grew up here in uh, burbank and if you've ever been to burbank and in, in, out in la burbank is still shockingly untouched by the rest of los angeles like it like my mother taught there at burbank high school for a while when they lived out here 
and friends of hers have lived out here since the 50s and like mm -hmm. they remember a time when everything looked like edward scissorhands all those mm -hmm. towns everything had like everybody had a white picket fence everybody had a multicolored house those kinds of things like that is the facade that we all agree to so the truth is that it doesn't matter like yes he definitely had sex with her you hope he doesn't but the truth agree is, to disagree with us go to many of our social media outlets and yell at us let's start a conversation here but the truth <laughs> but the truth but the truth of it is that at the end of the day it doesn't matter because the story is that he was still a good man and that that like it's hard like that's the only way i know how to really describe it but even through his mistakes he still had things to offer. I mean, it is it is he, kind of a monkey wrench to the film if he does it. He totally. I feel did like that's it. something that many people would be mad about, right? Had they found out. But I think the um, other neither, thing, the other part of that didn't. though, is that in like the fifties and sixties, like culturally, I think we all have seen movies about this time period, and it seems like it's just well accepted. Yeah, you that, just would put your keys in a bowl and just bang yeah. whoever's wife you wanted. Well. I'm not talking about key parties and swingers. I'm saying that it was common. Like, there's a lot of common knowledge. Well, once in that you time do that period. on the cul-de-sac, you can't just leave that when you yeah. exit the cul-de-sac. That's just, like a lifestyle now. Like the best example I can give is like the Don Draper Mad Men thing, which is like it's expected that you know you're gonna understand that sometimes you're gonna get cheated on. Like women were prepared for this kind of thing, and it's it's not fair, and that's not how that should be. I mean, if you enter the arena, this all. is the uh, what's his name, Andres Karolinko, the NBA draft player. Yeah. It got out there was a news story that him and his wife had a deal that every year he got to bang one person that was not his wife. So he's on like, you know, a back to back. Right. And he's like, oh, I'm in Utah. I'm going to grab one of these six foot five blonde, picked, you know, Aryan women and pound it. Right. He would just call his wife and be like, I use my one. And then that was it. And I that was her theory of. This will keep him from being like a serial cheater I mean, and ruining our marriage. I think that that's <laughs> that's weird. And I'll uh, say this: I ran it by my wife. Shut me down. Yeah, I'm I not bringing NBA assets to the I, marriage. I, I, so I, I live in a uh, I live I live in a pretty strictly monogamous marriage, and by pretty strictly pretty? I mean strictly monogamous. Um, it means yeah. If I wasn't, I would be pretty. But murdered. I think this that's is the this is the other thing too, and this is another part about like the image of Edward Bloom because he the story of how he meets, uh, of how he meets her, and how he courts her, the daffodils. Like imagine knowing the truth. Like you and I are both cynical, so we assume the truth. But doesn't that just like kill all the daffodils in that entire meadow? You're just like, God damn it, you asshole. Like, well, no, because that's him when he's someone just trampling. before marriage, right? But that doesn't matter. That's like young love is a perfect, untouched, unruined story. You're not on chapter sixty-two. Yeah, but the problem where it's is like it... the dog threw up on the comforter again, and we're yelling at each other about who cleans it up. But it, right? We've had this argument five times. <laughs> but it takes that. It takes that beautiful came on the lens veneer that we love so much away a little bit. It, I agree. But it is gives that it a little not bleach bypass. Is that not the All point? All you is to out there, demystify what Edward Bloom has created. But do you like here? There, that's the question of the moment. Then, like, for the, right. do you want to demystify it? Like, just because I she do, says, this "I is, don't want to ruin," right? I don't want to ruin the this. Image is of your my father. my parenting thing with my kids, right? I don't want to tell them Santa Claus doesn't exist because wouldn't you rather live in a world with Santa Claus? Right when they ask me, "Hey, do you think Loch Ness monster's real?" I hope so. Well, wouldn't you rather live in right? a world with? Magic I'd rather or... world in a live with that stuff. I'd rather have that stuff be part of our existence. Right? It's just cooler. Absolutely. The Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, whatever. You know, I know that these are all stories, mm -hmm. but my kids don't. And I'm like, why am I going to take away like little bits of magic from the world for them? You know, right. they'll they'll fucking exactly. be done with There's, it when they're done with like, it. I think that's the really important thing is not to take away like. Billy Crudup searching to take away magic from himself, essentially. Not from eh, to take away magic I, from his I father. Think he, it's like one of those things. He where, like, legitimately does not love his father anymore, right? The line was I don't think I see true. nothing of myself in him and he sees nothing of himself in me. I think that I think is, this is a pretty burned relationship by the time the movie starts. See, and I don't I don't see it that way. Cause if it was truly I don't see anything here's the thing. 
Edward Bloom spends so much time trying to get out of Ashton. Like, he gets out of Ashton finally. He runs. He's like, I can't be. I'm the fucking big fish in a little pond. I have this giganticism. I now I know why. Like, that kind of that whole thing. It's the same thing for Billy Crudup's character. But now you're in a situation where you don't want to repeat your, you don't want to repeat the mistakes of your father. You don't want to do the same things your father. He's not escaping Ashton. He's escaping. He's escaping his father. He's escaping his life. He's escaping this life that he never asked for. And those tall tales make absolutely no sense. However, if he really wasn't like his father and if you really didn't love him, he would have been an insurance broker. He would not have been a writer. It's literally the same person. But he's not writing anything cool. Not yet, but he says he says at the top of the movie, he's like, "You tell stories just like I do." He's like, yeah, "I just talk and you write them down." Like, it's yeah, the I same pictured thing. him as like a sales guy. You know what I mean? I picture him as a straight sales... information, but none I of th- the flavor, none he... of the complications. But again, it's one of those things where you look at this. This is a guy who's fled from this whimsical father he's had his entire life. So if that's the case, why would you not? be something why are you a writer so if you're a boring writer like like like, let's say you're doing something like writing obits or something like that not to say i'm sure that's not thrilling in some people but let's say you're the obit guy if that's what you're doing that's your business but you can't tell me that you went to college to become a writer or you decided you wanted to be a writer and you're like i only want to write obits that is the that's 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 to me the element that always makes me realize that he loves his father, of course. Like he loves his father. He just doesn't want to admit that that level of whimsy is what keeps thing is what keeps him alive, essentially. Because really, he, when when the world but he's written a different version of Edward. Of I course, think, I think he, I think he's okay with his father not being a part of his life anymore. And at the end, he sees this as his chance to. I think he. I'm going to get what I need out of this situation. I think he thinks. Again, I think he thinks that he's okay with it, but this movie right. is not that this movie is about this movie is about believing. And I think when you when you shut a door fi- finitely like that for at least not me personally or anybody personally, but for this character, I would say I don't think that works. Like that's not how these characters exist because you also don't marry I mean I don't remember like Marion Cotillard's character has a lot of whimsy in her. She's literally taking pictures of people, that kind of thing. Right. She she enjoys his she father for the character that he is. Yes. But she doesn't have the years and years of baggage. Right. With so for her to be there to provide that. I'm not saying no- he never loved his father. I think by this point, he's sick of his shit. I think he's sick of his shit, but I also think it's it has more to do. It's a more it has less to do with actual has less to do with Edward. And more to do with Will. Will's problem. not Right. Problem. It's all Will's bullshit. Yeah. Right? And again, not to give parents a pass, I'm sure Edward was not always the easiest. Yeah, I'm sure he, like, hey, right? but look, telling a, telling a big-ass long yarn about catching a big fish the day your kid was born is a fucking annoying thing to have to sit through at a rehearsal dinner. I'm not, I'm sure. I was, don't want to hear your 35-minute yarns yeah, for the 15th time. Please. Not but, this one. again, I think, I think that's where he starts. I think at the end when he just realizes this is who the man is and it's over. Yeah. He is gracious enough to join him for a moment. Because there's two there's two moments in the film that I think are really beautifully done, right? One is where we have Helena Bonham Carter telling an Edwards story but from her own version. Mm-hmm. And she uses some of the exact same verbiage he does, right? Right. And it's a little tamped down, but we still have the giant straightening the house. We still have, oh, we didn't have sex, all these other myths, right? And so you (laughs) see her telling his story. At the end, for them to be in that moment, and he knows this is it, and his father just begs him, tell me what I saw in the eye. And for but a moment, he says, I will stop this, like, feud that we had. This is the last moment. Oh, dude, that I is... will tell my own Edward's story. Mm-hmm. See, I'm going to tear up. It's the, the cutaway of it is whatever, right? It's kind of this, you know, oh, he's carrying him and whatever. But the moments that make that work are not the fun, like mythological, like all his people by the river, right? Him turning no. into the fish. It's Albert. When Finney, they cut dude. back oh. to Albert Finney watching his son tell him a story the way he tells him, right? His one mm. last 
His one last gift to his son is you can take this fucking horrifying moment and make it better, right? You can tell it how you want. And it, <laughs> dude, I'm going to cry again. I cried a shitload watching this. But when Albert Finney at the end says, that's exactly how it happened. I mean, and then, yeah, that's it. That's his last, that's his last breath. But I thought it was so fucking beautiful yeah. watching him watch his son take away the hate and the venom and whatever and just write a happy ending for I them. mean, that's exactly what this is, is just, it's, it's one of those learning things. Like you, hate, you, it's like, it's passing it. It's like the thing, it's that tribal thing where you pass something on to your child. So like, mm -hmm. yeah, all that hate and all that venom goes away, but it's when he tells that story, the pride and joy in Albert Finney's performance, because that's what it is. It's just like my kid can tell these stories. He just has chosen not but to. It's like also it's like, he sees that his son just truly loves him. Yeah. For one moment. Because that, that's actually I got the line wrong, right? Because Billy Crudup ends the thing and he's like, you became what you always were a very big fish yeah he kind of pauses he looks at his dad he says that's how it happened and albert fenny goes exactly because he knows that, i mean that's parents to me that that's a grand slam fucking final that's i mean the ending. movie has a couple more minutes but that's that, you know ending. aren't necessary but it's fine that's yeah. where you're like this journey has meant so much to me yeah and i now understand why edward was this kind of like monumental liar Right, I know his mom says everything he says isn't a lie. All right, you know, but <laughs> this guy's full of shit. Like if you were at a bar with him, you'd be like, "All right. right, motherfucker." Yeah, yeah. But you enjoy him so much as a character. Why would you want to squish? Because so many of us aren't like that, right? As they say, right? He always tells all the facts and none of the complications and the flavor. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be sitting at bars with people that are just also like, "Well, work sucked. My marriage sucks. My kids suck. Politics yeah. sucks." It's like, you know, it is nice occasionally to see someone who, whether earnestly or not, is finding a way to give the world some whimsy, right? Yeah. Whatever it may be. Um, and I think in that moment, he just accepts his father for his shortcomings and whatever and just gives him this final gift. And it's it's perfect, right? And then you cut to the funeral and you see all of these people that were just characters from his wild stories. You see Carl and DeVito, uh, the Siamese twins that aren't conjoined. They're just twins. Yeah. Um, you know, and you see them all there, but when the funeral's over and they're walking to the car, he walks in on all of these people smiling and laughing in their funeral blacks, telling Edward Bloom's stories. And I think in that moment, I don't think he fully, you know, can ever forgive some of the things of the past, but I think he, he understands a little bit of why his father was that way. And then we see his kids playing in the pool and they're doing a grandpa story and he doesn't shut him down or agree. He just goes, pretty much. Yep. And it's... he goes, that was my dad's final joke, right? Is that he he became the story. I think the line is something along the lines of, have you ever heard a joke so many times you forget why it's funny? And then somewhere down the road you hear it again and you remember why you loved it in the first place. Yep. And so that bookend, you know, a great beginning and a great end. You know, things get complicated in the middle. Um. It's just awesome. Like, it's, the ending of this movie is just, I mean, it's it's so well done. I mean, it's... It's emotionally devastating. Man. It's the best. <laughs> it's, for me, it's it's the best Tim Burton's ever done. Like, it's just incredible. I don't know if it's my favorite movie, but, I mean, it's definitely as impressive a film as he's ever made. Right? There's more, like, niche stuff that's, like, a little more, like, kind of fun. I think that but this is a well fucking made yeah, and told story. I think from there's top stuff he's done. That's more fun, but this is, um, it's just, it's just beautiful, man. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing but just thing. everything, dude. It's got, it's got Carl, this fucking lovable giant. DeVito's a werewolf. Um, you know, the clown has a, a werewolf gun in his suit. Like it still has all these awesome Tim Burton flavors. Yeah. The car under the water, the naked lady in the river. There's all of this flavor that still is everything I love about Tim Burton, but just this big fucking honest, earnest, yeah. brutally true at times, especially when juxtaposed with the the fantasy. You know, it's it's probably 
about as good as he can do at telling just like a straight human yeah. tale. This is as far as uh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's he's just it's. I mean, I just think of moments, right? Like Edward getting his ass kicked and just smiling at her with this smiling bleeding mouth in the bed dude. of daffodils, right? The whole thing is just, um, yeah. Fucking like, the witch and, I mean, everything. These emotional Him fighting moments. fighting in, in the wars. It's just like, it's just great. Yeah. When he, co- when he comes and he's behind the sheet and she thinks he's dead, I mean, the scene I'll take, this is one of the scenes I'll always take away, right? Like if I was to share like two or three moments with a person. The scene when he's in the bathtub in his his pajamas. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm drawing out. And she just crawls in the bathtub with him, fully in love, right? This lifetime oh of love. Oh, God. That maybe because she didn't know there was an affair, but it's still there, yeah. right? Even if it's a lie. And she just crawls up to him, and he just snuggles with him, right? And she's like, I don't think I'll ever dry out. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, I just, those I, two I fucking are, adore this movie. Those two have some magnetic chemistry for being. Well, this on was screen, before Jessica Lang became like the evil lady. Yeah, like like American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah, this is before Jessica Lang became like weird, like no smile lines lady. She's incredible in this. Like, yeah, I mean, all of I'm the very actors emotional. are wonderful. I'm very, I get very emotional watching her. In this. I. I mean, I think that's the thing, right? We all have loved ones that we're afraid we'll lose or loved ones we have lost. And you, again, it's like, you know, my Nana, right? I talk about her a lot. She was one of the most important people in my life. She worked on the psychic hotline, chain smoked cigarettes every second of every day, was diabetic but ate donuts, right? She lived in this trailer. And her whole wall, right, like 50 feet of trailer, right, whatever it was, was just these metal utility shacks full of VHS tapes where she recorded every single movie ever on TV and had these fucking spiral notebooks that were like nicotine stained and crusty where she had like a Dewey decimal system of what was on every tape. Right. And with her, I saw almost all of my favorite movies the first time. Right. There's this wonderful story I wanted to save when we did the matrix, but this is like, it reminded me a lot of big fish. So my Nana gave me my love of movies, right? Right. I loved her, but she was a troubled lady Things weren't always great with the family and her and whatever. So I saw The Matrix in theater on accident. And when I saw it, I was like, holy fuck, this is the greatest movie that's ever been made. It blew my mind. Right. So when it came out on DVD, I bought it and I drove out to my Nana's house. And I'm like, you have to watch this. I think I even had to bring the DVD player. But I was like, you have to watch this with me. It'll change your life. And so we sat there and, you know, my mom's like, you were talking through the whole movie. You were so excited. My Nana was asking me questions. I didn't realize until just a couple years ago, years after her death, actually. When she died, I was so sad. That's when I met my now wife, right? That's what, like, bonded us together. But a couple years ago, my mom's like, I was telling that story to someone. She's like, you know that when you showed that to your Nana, she was blind. But she couldn't see the movie. She just would ask me questions and engage. She just, like, held my arm. Now I'm going to fucking cry. And she likes seeing me happy. Right. And she didn't, like, stop the movie to be like, I'm blind. What are you doing? She just wasted two hours of her life not seeing a movie. Yeah. Just enjoying seeing me be excited about something. And so that was a tale I had that then turned when I realized she was blind. Wow. Um, and I like both versions perfectly fine. But I, th- I think that's it, – it's this movie really captures that, you know, how will we be remembered, right? What value do we give on in whatever form? Um. I don't know. I get very emotional watching this movie. That's the... I haven't seen it since I've become a dad, and it fucked me up last night. My kids were, like, laughing at me. I was crying so much. And I was like, fuck you. I was like, when I have cancer, you better be fucking nice to me. <laughs> right? I was like, I'll still get up and swing on you. <laughs> it's, it's just a beautiful movie, man. And I it hope is. that the way I tell stories to my kid is as good as these stories were. I just pray that at the end, no matter how it goes, that at the end, they will just be glad that we had each other. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a real thing that you think about a lot when you're a parent. All the time. It's like, I'm sure there will be rough, bad periods. I just hope at the end, they're as glad to have known me right. as I am to know. Henry them. really likes his mom right now. And, like, literally. That's, I, that's boys. All boys prefer like, their mom. Literally, like, because <laughs> I, you know, I, I pick them up from school most of the time. Like, I'm usually the parent at home with them and um, through most of the week. And... <laughs> like every night so Andre gets home like they start doing bedtime and he's like no he literally like puts his hand and like says like you cannot be in bed right now like it's my time with mommy I'm like all right 
Like it was one of those things. Like last night, Andrea came down. I was like, I don't know if he likes me anymore. And she was like, Oh, he likes you. But then, because then I yeah. watched this movie, and I was just like, maybe he does like me. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's I, I don't know, man. I'm an emotional wreck just retalking about all this shit. But I think that's the beauty of the story, right? Beautiful is even with flawed people, try to keep some magic in it. You got to right? keep it magical. It wasn't all bad. It's hopefully. okay to believe um, in magic. Yeah, really, really, just a fucking wonderfully powerful movie to me. Um, and then yeah, just stop watching Tim Burton and about this. This is it. Maybe when, big eyes. I hear, Honestly, I don't mind Tim Burton, right? But he did like some ill-fated. We're actually talking I, about some other Tim Burton coming up. So <laughs> I hear Wednesday. Andrea really liked Wednesday. So. Yeah, he's a great director, man. He is. I think he's he just got lost director. in like that Disney thing for a minute. I think he just made a lot of money for a while, and that was yeah. fine. If he if he came back and just said, "I'm going to make a full on Tim Burton joint," I'll be there be first. Like, oh yeah. Absolutely. 1, no doubt about percent. it. I'm not recreating an old thing. This is a Tim Burton mindset. If he said, I'm sorry day. about Charlie and the Chalks Factory, Dark Shadows, all these weird movies that I did with Johnny Depp that for some reason Don't he thought care. we should do, I wouldn't care. Hey, like, I got it, man. You're in. It's not magic all the time, but when it is, appreciate it. Agreed. <laughs> That's it for Big Fish. I hope you guys had as much fun as we did with this one. Uh, guys, we have one more tale. Love tale to tell you. The Notebook, a movie that I honestly didn't know that we would ever cover. Neither did I. Um, but here we are. We, we find ourselves in Notebook territory. Uh, next month, we have a very special surprise for you. The month after that, something even bigger and better. So stay with us, guys. Follow us on social media wherever you are. Leave five-star ratings and reviews wherever you find the show. The YouTube is Film Alchemist. And please, guys, if you can, if you enjoy what we do at all, and you can, Go to patreon.com slash pod. It's the best way to support the show. We truly Guys, appreciate it. Seriously, it's only a dollar. And I know yeah. that it's one of those things. Everyone's got their purse strings tight. I fully agree. Like, it's always what it is. It's a dollar. You'll forget about it. I promise. If you, <laughs> we want to become a recurring expense that you don't think you <laughs> you will. For, if, if you have subscriptions, this is one's worth it. It's a buck that you'll forget about. But yep. we will always remember and thank you for it. We will remember. When we're jerking off to gaunt, Stop. ghostly Stop. little... Stop. I would mind, never either. do that. <laughs> I will tack the dollar right next to the picture of fucking malnourished women. No, neither here nor there. Yeah, uh, well, cut that out. That's Tim Burton, not me. That was a Tim Burton... I'm not cutting cut it that, out. Cut that's that, staying that. in. <laughs> there needs to be truth with us and our patrons. But yeah, patreon.com slash podcast. A ton of awesome stuff there. A ton of... Uh, possibilities for you guys to help make it even better so again patreon.com slash pod thank you to our new people man it means the world to us so uh we will catch you next time for the notebook in italian the notebook <laughs> <laughs>